Hey folks, how's it going? Welcome into a, a, another lovely dual podcast, Pro Football Ireland, Jeff Reinbold Show. Michael McQuid, Jeff Reinbold. Uh, actually, ironically, the time this is going out, Jeff, my friend, welcome. Um, one week after the NFL drafts, where are you for a start, man? Where on earth, where on this earth are you? I'm in another airport. This is my fourth airport in the last 18 hours. So, <laughs> uh, it's crazy, but that's the life we lead, man. It's it's all good. How are you doing, Michael? Doing good, sir. I, obviously, and you know, I I say this off camera, but I'll I'll, I'll say it publicly. The people here um, really appreciate you coming on last Thursday night for the drafts, and I know a lot of people really really enjoyed it. And then people at the draft party on Friday were so complimentary of you being on. But uh, yeah, it was just it was it was great crack. And uh, hey, bro, let's do it again. 40. 42,000 views was the last I saw, and that was the night we did it. That is so amazing. You have done such a great job in Ireland getting people motivated and into the NFL. And it's a great, like, I'm just telling you, that's the hottest property in Europe right now. <laughs> Ireland in general or, 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 or the NFL or what's the... <laughs> no, I just, I, I just really think that for, for the NFL, they... You got to take a look at that, man. That's that's some serious numbers to throw up on a draft podcast. And, you know, Sky's doing their broadcast and you can get ESPN and you can get NFL Network and all of it. And yet 42,000 people, over 42,000 people, the last time I checked, jumped in to, to hear your podcast and, and to watch it on TV. But Jeff, I, I, I obviously, you know, on record... I appreciate everything that you've done for for fans here and and throughout uh, not just Ireland but the UK and Europe. You you can see like another level and such. Um, there's been such good feedback for your people strapped as well. So it's it's definitely an exciting time for fans. And um, we're going to come up with a couple of parts to different podcasts over the next few days before we roll on a different slant next week. And um, we're going to bring the Jeff Reinbold show back next week. We're doing a dual podcast today. And um, this is going out in PFI Plus, Jeff, which is like this like new subscriber thing that I have. So people like Fred Flunk are going to hear this first. So hello to him uh, and, and everybody else has subscribed. However, um, let's jump into this round one because it's one thing, Jeff, like let's be clear here. W- whenever I went on to speak to you last week, I was, um, as we say in Ireland, on fumes, mate. Like I was I was, I was, was ready for my bed and, and and you definitely kept me going and and, and I know Connell and, and, and everybody you come on kept us going all night. But um, Jeff, I think I, I got to maybe Sunday and I actually sat back and, and I looked at the picks in the first round and I thought some some really, really interesting picks. And, and I know the story is Tex, is the Houston Texans and what they've done in the first few picks. But just to start off with, you know, you know, looking at the Carolina Panthers and, and, and getting Bryce Young in, have you seen the reaction in Carolina since they signed him? They opened up the stadium. They've they've got him in as a obviously as a number one pick, but the, the amount that they're putting on to him and and the expectations on his shoulders, that's a hell of a division to go into, Jeff. Having Carolina. Well, I, I tell you what, if if <laughs> If I'm Bryce Young, I'd rather be in that division than the AFC East. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're talking about a division where you can you can really make some traction in your first year. And I, you know, I think this is what fans got to understand. When you take a guy number one, right? That's a whole nother level of attention, a whole nother level of pressure, a whole nother level of expectation. And, you know, clubs don't want to temper the expectation. In the old days, man, they used to say, well, 
we'll draft him first and, you know, we'll let him sit for a year and learn how to be a pro and all that stuff. Now guys like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, they got to come in and they got to be players. Not now, right now. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because you're talking with CJ Stroud as well. That starts the whole Texan situation and talk about having cojones for, for Demeco Ryan's management team in Houston. You know, obviously we were live last week and we sort of reacted to it in time, but looking back on it, Jeff, Nobody really seen this coming. There was obviously talk about Arizona shopping the pick, but the Texans, who were already picking second, going up and do it, going up and doing it. I mean, obviously bringing in CJ Stride, Will Anderson Jr., there are still big holes to fill in this franchise. But I'd love to know from, from, from a guy that's as experienced in the league as you are and experienced in the sport, Jeff, as you are, how much of a move could the Texans make this year even with those two draft picks and just the momentum that they now have? Well, I think it's it's so unique because you're in a division, like I say, that, you know, just wide open. I mean, it is wide ass open. And, you know, how much better is Indianapolis going to be? Tennessee's going through a total rebuild. I mean, you're in a situation where you can make some hay. And, you know, I think, you know, this is what is interesting to me when I look at the Texas situation. You know, they've had two one-and-done head coaches, right? And now as I look at the way they behaved on draft day, Michael, I really believe that that was all part of a long-term plan to position themselves in such a way that they could get an elite quarterback and then go out and get another foundational piece, Will Anderson Jr., by being real aggressive. Because that hasn't been Casario's. Uh, you know, mode of operation previously, but I think they now believe that they're ready. They've gotten the cap space. They've gotten the, you know, the Deshaun Watson deal brought them, you know, all kinds of trade value and, you know, draft value. And so this is a team that I think is on, on the way up. And I, and if you're a Texans fan, you got to be excited about the way this thing is unfolded. We're not going to go through every 31 players picked in the first round because we, 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 we've got half an hour for this podcast. So we will try and try and cherry pick and, and sort of go around. Folks, if you are listening to this, we, we can't hear Jeff's bird today in the background, but he's in an airport in case you're wondering if you hear any loud noises. But so far, so good, Jeff. Um, the one that really intrigues me is, and maybe maybe you're going to tell me like to, to what to wise the bop or wise up, as I say, Jeff. Um the Indianapolis Colts select a guy at four that's had that has got 13 starts in college with his whole background. But yet they're saying the way that Shane Steichen can coach and build up players and the schemes, they're saying that this guy with his ability to run, his vertical passing attack, they're saying that Richardson is the like you know, one of the perfect fits in this draft. But surely this is going to take time. Like like everyone, you're bringing in Steichen for a start. Never mind Richardson. We it just feels like Jeff, and I I I, I am not being negative in any way, shape, or form. I like the Colts. I like what they're doing in Indianapolis. They they sort of put it all on the table last year. Ballers doing the same thing again this year. But Jeff, it feels like we've been here before, not just last year, but a few years ago. And and they're going to need luck on their side. Excuse the pun. Bro, let me just say this. I have much, much respect for Chris Ballard. 
much respect for Chris Bauer. This thing to me speaks of Jim Irsay. That's what I hear. Um, I know some of the coaches that were with the Colts last year and how that whole thing went down. And I think Jim Irsay is getting to the point where he feels desperate. He's like drawn, pulling at straws. Michael, you know, look at the tape. Go through the statistics. Look at the player. I mean, does he have a high ceiling? Yeah. I mean, he's got an incredibly high ceiling. But he's also got a really low floor, right? And right now, he ain't dancing on the ceiling. He's dancing on the floor. And it ain't going to get easier when he plays against NFL players. Because, yes, he played in the SEC. And, yes, I have often said this is the best league in college football, but he was a sub 55% completion guy. He has a limited body of work. You see too many missed layups. It ain't going to get easier when he gets to the NFL, right? And you can say, well, you know, it's a bad division and, you know, yada, yada, yada. These cats are all getting paid, right? These are either grown men playing the game and making their living at it, right? So, you know, I just, this one really, really to me was like, I could, like I, I saw it and I was like, fourth, are you kidding me? What has he done on film to say he's, a, he's worthy of the fourth pick in the draft? You know, I just like, I hope it works out for the kid. I really do. And I hope it works out for Chris Ballard because this kind of pick could be your last one as a GM Yeah, yeah. if it doesn't work out. It's for me, it's a big, it's a big question mark coming out of this draft. And I, I think you're spot on and you've got the social media slash TikTok it right there, Jeff. It's a Jim Arsenal pick. It seems like it big time. And I, I guess the question honestly is, man, like, if you are Seattle and you're picking a five and Anthony Richardson is still on the board, would John Snyder have picked him is the big question, in my opinion. Probably not. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think what the Seahawks did was smart. I think the Seahawks, you know, they took the best corner on the board. Witherspoon is the best player on the board. Now, I thought they might have gone for, you know, an inside Pass Richard Carter was there. He could have, mm. They could have taken him. I think with Maurice Kelly and, you know, as good as they are in terms of taking guys that are, you know, quote, tough guys to, you know, to coach, they've always done a great job with those guys. If you go back to the Legion of Boom, hey, that, ain't, that wasn't no group of choir boys playing defense on that team, right? And, you know, they, they put their differences aside and they put their egos aside and they, you know, Pete got them all to pull in the same direction. And, you know, so strong personalities like Richard Sherman and strong personalities like Michael Bennett, they were able to, you know, you know, understand their role and play inside their role. And, and they won a Super Bowl that way. And if they hadn't, you know, screwed up the play call on the goal line against New England, they won two in a row. Right. So, yeah, I, I really thought that you know, that there was no way they were going to take Richards. And I thought Witherspoon was a smart choice. Pete loves his DBs. And, you know, 
it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes down. But like, there's so many good stories in this first round, Mike. You know, you look at the Eagles, man. I thought the Eagles did a great job. The Eagles, they just keep stockpiling pass rushers because they know in the National Football League, you got to be able to rush the passer. And they've got a strong locker room. You know, they, they've got a locker room that can take some of those tough guys, you know, those mm. guys that require a lot of energy, those guys that, you know, had issues in college, all of that stuff. Because when you go into that locker room, you're walking into a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. This ain't a bunch of guys that just, you know, can't play the game. This is a legitimate elite franchise in the NFC. And so no matter who you are, when you walk in there, you gotta, you'll understand real, flat, real fast when Fletcher Cox walks in the room who the lead, you know, who the alpha male is. I'm going to stick on the Seahawks for just one second because obviously outside of all this crack, I'm a Broncos fan and, and they get picks. They, they get that pick at five, for example, right? Forget about the pick at five. Great pick. They get a bona fide WR 1 and 20 in Jackson Smith and Jake. But like, yeah. I mean, like, think about it. Did they win the these. first round, Jeff? Is the well, question. I think, that, I think that's one of the teams you got to say did or, or you could. And again, we won't know for three years, but just based on everybody's board and mine included and Jigba was the number one receiver and you know Spoon was the number one DB how often do you get that ever right and the Seahawks were able to pull it off the team that was shocking to me was my Lions like I, I mean I just when when they're sitting there and and Carter's within their grasp and then they mm. trade down and then trade back up to get a running back that probably would have been on the board in the second round. It just didn't make sense to me. Now, then they take Campbell, the inside linebacker from Iowa, who I think is a really good player, but they got too many other need areas for that pick at that time, in my opinion, because again, he's a guy that was going to be on the board in the second round. If I I fully agree with you, especially on the player and, and the position and where he is in the draft. For me, it's like you're in the you're sitting in Detroit. You've already got that pick for Jar Goff or whatever back in the day, and uh, Jar Goff, Matthew Stafford, sorry, back in the day, and you're sitting there and you see the Cardinals are on the phone and it's like that movie draft day. And with all due respect, Cardinals fans, there's two lads, two great lads, Mark Hogan, Jason Hayes. Jason was on the show last week during the draft. They're both big Cardinals men. Jeff, you see the Cardinals ringing. You know what they've done at three. You're going to try and, you know, it's it's like a wet, wet tile. You're going to squeeze out for every inch of water you can get. So I, I fully agree. I, I can see why they've done that. I wonder, was there not maybe not a panic? But when you see Bijan Robinson going at eight to the Falcons, and Jesus, that that's a story for a start. You know, Tyler, we talked about this last week. You got Cordell Patterson, Tyler Azure, and now Bijan Robinson. I'll be able to pronounce his name by September. Don't worry, Jeff. But um, that division is just so, so intriguing. I guess, um, you know, sort of rolling through this first round. I think one that stands out to me, and it's one that you talked about both leading up to this draft on your own show, Jeff, people's draft as well. Um, was Skaronski, you know, potentially staying at home in Chicago? And the big one for me was, you know, the bear sitting the 10. The bear sitting the 10. And um, wow, you know, you wonder. The Eagles picked Jalen Carter at nine. So you're going, right, well, Carter's off the board. 
surely they have to protect a quarterback here, but give Justin Fields a chance. And they go for Darnell Wright. Now, Dar- Dar- Darnell Wright's a hell of a player. Don't get me wrong. It's the first round of the NFL draft, but surely the fairy tale would have been the keeps Koronsky there. Guy playing in the Big Ten, playing in Northwestern. C- c- sort of continuation of that, but um, I don't know. I'd say deep down, Skaronsky was good, man. No? Well, I, I, you know, it's interesting, bro, when you think about it, because there would have been a lot of pressure on them to keep Skaronsky in Chicago. The fan base would have wanted that, right? He's a local kid. He played high school football there. He played at Northwestern. He's, you know, rated in the top three tackles on everybody's board. I thought he was a guard first. But I thought, he, regardless of where he played him, he was going to be a great player. They went a different direction. And this is where I give them credit, was they said, no, we need a specific kind of tackle. They want a long-bodied, athletic guy that can dance with the best pass rushers in the ball, right? That's not Skronsky. Skronsky's a shorter shorted arm, more an inside guy, still a great technician, still a great player. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but you know, to be able to stand up and make that selection, knowing that the fan base really wants the other guy, that shows me a little bit. That's, you know, again, time will tell, right? So if Wright turns into be a pro bowler like you think he has the potential to be, all, all powerful to him. Skronsky goes to Tennessee, and three years from now, if you and I are doing this podcast, we're talking about Skronsky's a you know an All Pro, and Wright's you know flamed out. You know everybody's going to point to that pick and say it's a horrible pick. Hey, Becton, right? Mackay Becton did not get his fifth year option picked up this week, right? What's that tell you about him? He was the eleventh player picked in the draft. So this is not an exact science by a long by a long stretch. We'll definitely be doing the podcast in three years' time, Jeff. Don't worry. From right. from wherever yeah. I am, from where you are, we'll, we'll be doing it. <laughs> Come on, man! Definitely have to. Like I was saying, uh, I I met the PFI ones on a Friday night in Dublin, and met Matt Connell. He was on with us. His I have to say, Connell's analysis was unreal overnight. Just from here, hearing an Irish lad coming out and talking like that was unreal. It was saying to him, Jeff, we have to do it in person. So I think we should do it in person next year. We'll try and fly you over on like economy, 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 like for 47 <laughs> hours. Um, and the, the one red line I had for you, my friend, was and it wasn't the badness, it was just because of commitments, etc. Was stopping the live stream at 3 a.m. So you know, getting up on the Friday morning and seeing that. Uh, the Buffalo Bills who need they're, they're not that far away there are obviously <laughs> positions on both sides of the ball that you want to try and pick up and, and and really bring this team to the next level Jesus Jeff you know Dalton Kincaid for Utah tight end like that's a guy at 25 shows you the value that you can get post pick 15 post pick 15 sorry post pick 16 when the teams that were better the year before sometimes have slim pickings not not this year that's a hell of a pick at 25 for the, the utah tight end oh no question man that guy is a legit player he's a great story too mike here's a kid that that goes to non-scholarship university of san diego out of high school and then you know transfers to utah to take a shot at division one well not only does he take a shot i mean he hits a bullseye 
and comes out of it. In, initially, he was like rated two or three at tight end. Mayer and some of those guys were above him. Then as the process continued and, his, and you know, people saw how athletic he was and then he got a clean bill of health about two weeks in before the draft on his back. And all of a sudden he vaults past all those guys to become the number one. I mean, it's, it's what you want the draft to be. And, it, you know, for the Bills, that's a huge get for them. I mean, a huge get. Here's what I here's my takeaway with the Bills, though. How much did they improve the interior defensive line? How much is that? You know, because when you watch them at the end of the year, when people got after them, what did they do? They ran the football at them. You know, Mike Milano's an undersized, he's a strong college strong safety playing Will Backer, right? They did not fill the need at middle linebacker that they came into the draft with. And so, you know, Brandon Bean, I heard him say the other day on on a podcast that it just didn't break their way. Well, you know, you got to look at it. Sometimes you got to be aggressive and make it break your way and go up and get the guy that you want, right? So, you know, it wasn't a great linebacker class. And the inside guys, you know, all of them had some sort of question to them. But if they don't stop the run better in Buffalo, it doesn't matter how many yards Josh Allen's going to throw for because you're not going to outscore Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to outscore, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. It's going to be tough to outscore the San Diego Chargers. You know, Denver's going to be better. It, I'm, if you're in the AFC, bro, I'm telling you, it is like, it's more stacked than a thing of pancakes and IHOP, Jeff. It is stacked, man. Yeah. Stacked. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You think about it, man. And then now you take Aaron Rodgers and toss him in the mix, right? And Mac Jones and Tua. And, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's ridiculous. It's almost, Jeff, that you've got a, it's almost that you have a script in front of you here because I was going to talk about Mac Jones. Like, you know, looking at that division, you got Tua and the Dolphins. Rogers now in New York, and Josh Allen and the Bills getting to like different levels now. Hopefully, for like, as far as they're concerned, Patriots one was interesting because they go down to seventeen. They get a guy that had his best season after transferring to Oregon, the cornerback Christian Gonzalez, and um, sort of size and speed. I think top two, top three in his position going into this draft. This is a typical Bill Belichick pick, but. Realistically, how much better does it make them when they have to face Rodgers twice a season, Josh Allen twice a season, and now the Dolphins twice a season as well? That like for me, it's just it's a weird one. Like I sort of thought, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the later rounds maybe in a different podcast. But I thought the Patriots would have made maybe, maybe more moves, especially in different offensive positions in this draft. Also, you know, it's interesting because they've always been historically been a team that's going to draft. They're going to trade down to get more draft picks, right? To improve improve their likelihood of hitting. What was interesting to me, Mike, with what the Patriots did is when you look at the Patriots since Brady's gone, he's 25 and 25, right? He's 500 football coach. Now, do I think he's the best coach in football? Yes, I do. But the reality of it is there's something missing, right? And when you look at that football team, they went heavy on defensive players in the draft. I mean, heavy. Where are the weapons for Mac Jones? Where are the weapons, you know, that 
they're going to need because the days of 1990 and winning NFL football games 13-10 or, you know, 10-7 or, you know, even 14-10, those days are over. You've got to score. You've got to get four touchdowns a game to have a chance to win every week. And can the Patriots, with what they have right now, can they do that? Bill O'Brien's going to have to weave some magic. Well, we'll see. Let's. Um, it's 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 going to be a hell of a year, man. I'm, it's it's almost like the the lull after the draft season, and it's it's almost like depressing because we want, we want to start now. And um, let's talk about one more player, and then we'll both judge the first round, and we'll we'll get out of here, man. Um, a lot of Packers fans listen to this show, and when I say this show, PFI and. The Jeff Reinbold show dual podcast here. Uh, fans in Ireland, the UK, Europe, a lot, a lot of Packers fans, and um, who are entering a new realm of reality now this year in a positive way. Jordan Love coming in, and um, I wish I was standing beside a Packers fan when they went with Lucas Van Ness at thirteen, only because of you think they would have gave Jordan Love that high end wide receiver like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like we thought, or I, I certainly thought, Jeff, that that would be the mantra for him. Now I know they picked up certain offensive players later on in the draft, and we will talk about that whenever we have our overall picture in the next few rounds. And um, but for me, it was it was a little bit surprising that they went with Van Ness. But you know, this guy is versatile. He's got power, and there's there's a reason why he went thirteenth, even if it is, in my opinion, I guess um, maybe a little bit high. Am I being unfair to? Go pack, go fans, there, Jeff. No, I think I, I I agree with you, Mike. I think it's a reach. I mean, here's a guy. He's a sophomore. He's really young. That's a positive and that's a negative, right? It's a positive because he's gonna, you know, you're gonna have him in his prime longer. It's a negative in that he's he's you know he didn't start at Iowa, right? Iowa, and then why Iowa plays great defense. The thing that I liked about him when you looked at him on film was his ability to rush from any place on the field. He could be a five. He could be a wide nine. He could be a three. He could be a zero. He could rush anywhere on the field. He gets to the quarterback now. But again, where are the issues with the Packers? In my mind, they're not on defense as much as they are on offense. Jordan Love needs as much help as he can get. And like you said, in Jigba and the whole bunch of receivers that went one, two, three, four, right in a row, were there for the Packers to take. Yeah, and at the time of recording today, Randall Cobb's going to New York. Uh, it's like it's like the Brady Bunch in New York at the minute. It's like they're turning into the Green Bay Packers. Let's end this on this, Jeff. Uh, winner, loser from the first round. I'll say Will Levis as the loser. I felt sorry for him. Like that was hard to watch at one point. That lad should not have been there. Like, like if you know he was advised to have been there and I, I actually watched a TikTok chef you know down and hip with the kids at one point a couple of days after and he was like um if I have an inkling that I'll not be picked in the first round I'll not be there and I was like oh damn well that didn't work out it worked out obviously in day two for him but then um, that was hard to watch man like that was hard but to watch it reminds us it reminded me so much of watching Aaron Rodgers slide down the like that but you know that's that's the risk you run and and you know if you think that everybody's going to tell you the truth when they're like they're all telling you the same thing oh we love you we're going to take you you're our guy you know all that nonsense so that's just a lesson in how cruel this business can be and if you don't think the nfl didn't like that they love that 
they loved it for the ratings. They loved it for the drama. They loved it for the television that it was. And so does, you know, everybody loves to see a car wreck, Mike. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just the way it is. So, but I'm happy for the kid that he was able to get to a place where I think, you know, Tennessee makes complete sense to me, right? He doesn't have to play right away. He can develop. How many first round quarterbacks did we have? Oh, right. Now you put me on the spot now. I, I want to say four. Have I got that correct? Hold on. One, two, three. It's been a week, Jeff. I think it's only three. I think, yeah, it's only not four. No, 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 three. Will Levis went 33rd. Now you put me on the spot there, mate, in the podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to puff up and beat my chest. How many did I tell you would go in the first round? Five. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I said three, right? Yes, sir. That one of them doesn't deserve to be in the first round, right? The, the the reality of it was, it was Bryce Young as C.J. Stroud, and you know Richardson was a was a project guy that you know big piece of clay that maybe you can mold him into being a player. Maybe you can, right? Levis had. You know, he's a one-trick pony, big arm, but sometimes, you know, didn't know how to use it. The guy that I think, there, I think Levis went to a good spot for him, and I think Hendon Hooker went to a great spot for him. Going to the Lions where he doesn't have to play right away, heal up that ACL, become the quarterback of the future in Detroit. To me, Hooker saved the Lions draft it re he really did I mean he he was that made so much sense to me right let's re-incheck that there my friend uh, I'm going to get that Jim say viral moment out in social media uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to Jill podcast here Jeff we'll have like a, a round table look at the whole draft in, in the next podcast is there any message that you want to convey to people listening to this or are you just chilling no, just just keep listening to this all through this off season because you know, as you and I laugh all the time, there is no off season. It just gets better and better each week. We're heading into mini camps, and then you know, rookie rookies will get their first little taste in the next little bit, and then they're gonna get off on vacation, and then we're coming back to training camp. And before you know it, Michael will be teeing it up. Oh, that's almost time for a Ric Flair woo there for a second. I'll um. Very, very quickly. Yeah, next few, like, people keep DMing me this. Is this is this when you know, like, you, you need to turn your phone off finally, Jeff? I've had about eight DMs today. When are the London games, Germany games? I, I don't know. I think I don't it's the, know. I, what I heard was that those games will be public on the 11th. But you know, the schedule is definitely on the 11th. I, I, I know for a fact, and I, I don't want to get in trouble by saying that, but I know it's definitely the 11th, the schedule. I mean, me, Jeff, me and you have seen the Germany games without giving any teams away. Not bad. Quite impressed. Oh, I think they're fantastic. Here's what we need. You, me, Sebastian Vollmer, a couple of bratwurst and some beer, and let's go. I will say, for all the Irish people listening, there is a flight, a Lufthansa flight at 9.45 p.m. from Frankfurt to Dublin on that Sunday. This is, Jeff, forget Munich. This is heaven. We can get there and back. Like, Within a day, it's easy. Um, 
looking forward to that. That's going to be good fun. Uh, I just to state that this podcast has no affiliation with the NFL. We have no idea what the schedule is, and it will all become clear very, very soon. And when it does, I'm sure we'll we'll hop on and we'll we'll talk about it. Jeff uh, at on Jeff underscore Reinbold. Search Jeff Reinbold's show. Uh, big thanks to anyone on Pro Football Ireland that subscribes to the subscription base. Uh, we're on tour all year from September. And um, my wife hates me. Folks, have a lovely day. Jeff, mahalo, my friend. See, see his travels also. All right, take care, brother. Thank you.